Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. He's here right now. He's here today. One more time. Can we lift our hands all over the sanctuary? He's here right now. Jesus is in this place. Hallelujah. We glorify you, Jesus. We exalt your name, King Jesus. We lift you up, mighty God. All the praise and all the glory. We give it to you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's here, he's here. Jesus is in the house today. Hallelujah. And with Jesus, all things are possible. With Jesus, all things are possible. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is life in the name of Jesus. There is hope in the name of Jesus. Salvation in the name of Jesus. Can I remind you, Jesus is here right now. Jesus is here today. Clap your hands and give him glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. We serve a God who is great and so thankful to be in the house of refuge. This is a house of refuge where the righteous can run into and be saved. But not only the righteous can run into this place, but the sick can come in here and be healed. The hopeless can come in here and find hope. The weak can walk into the house of the Lord and receive their strength because this is a house of refuge. Praise God. Praise God. So thankful to be standing in this pulpit this morning. Such a privilege I don't take lightly. Thank you, Pastor Paulson, for having me come in and speak. Um, I'm not qualified, but I'm obedient, and I'm just excited for what God is going to do. I got me a stack of Bible, but don't let that fool you. This is really hit. But people want to offer me a Bible because they look at the shape of it. It's beat up. It's not so in much good shape, but I love it. You know, it's marked up, and I know where to find stuff. So I just carry this other one, you know, to let you know that I'm okay. I don't need a Bible, okay? I'm fine. So I ain't be using that one. Just to make it clear. We had a good time at a banquet on Friday night. Fellowship with the saints, brothers of like mind. So good to come in the house of the Lord, to be among people like-minded. Uh, yesterday, what an awesome session, you know, how to teach Bible study and reach people. And that's the great commission, you know, and we should. I'm encouraged myself, you know, to continue to go and to spread this gospel. And I was discouraged a couple weeks ago. I, we went through Newtown and we... We kind of go through the city and we cover some 70 houses, doors we knocked, you know, and we got a good response. But the following day, no one showed up, you know, and I'm like, God, this is, this is tough. But, but God blessed us because for the last uh, month, so we, we have been having, you know, in the 30s. We used to have in the teens, you know, but we have been in the 30s and we're seeing a lot of visitors coming. So God is doing great things. You know, the, the harvest is, is ripe. It's ready. 
so thankful to be a part of what God is doing in this place. I, um, I'm not as tired as Paulson, Paulson, uh, Pastor Paulson, but um, I went to get a nap last night. I went, while I was napping, you, you know how you take a nap in the afternoon and the evenings and, and you woke up and you're just confused. You don't know if you're, it's the next day or not. You know, but what caused this to happen, I was sleeping deep in my sleep, was like Jonah down in the heart of the earth. I heard a knock on the door, and uh, I woke up, but not fully, and I heard a knock again. I'm like, is this for real? Then I got up, and I, I was thinking while I was walking to the door, is it Sunday? Did I miss the service? What? Am I late? What's going on? And I said, Hello. I heard Pastor Paulson's voice, and I'm like, man, I'm in trouble. He opened the door, and he said, man, I'm just checking if you're okay. I text, I call, but no response. I was checking if you're alive. You know, and I, I didn't went back to sleep till way in the morning after that. So uh, if I don't preach good, you blame it on him. You know, but I, I, he asked me this morning if I get a good rest, but honestly, I didn't really. But No, I'm kidding. But I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord. I want to turn your attentions to Hebrews chapter number 11, uh, verses 39 and 40. And then we jump down to chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I want to give honor uh, again to Pastor Paulson and Sister Michaela Paulson for the great job they are doing here. You know, and so much appreciate their work and their zeal for the kingdom of God. Also, I love this church. If I get kicked out of Williston, this is where I'm coming. This church, I love the Bismarck Church. But now, uh, Williston, they love me too. <laughs> they ain't going to kick me out. Let me just say that. And, um, but I appreciate this church greatly. And I'm so thankful for what you're doing in this city. And your presence in this city. And um, it's the will of God. It's the will of God. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 39. I'm not there yet. I will be. The word of the Lord reads, And these all having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better things for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience or endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for the power that is in your word, Jesus. 
Lord, it's just me. And I'm not able to, Lord Jesus, but you are able and you are mighty. Here are your people, Lord. We need your help today. I'm asking that you may give us ears to hear and give us hearts to perceive. Give us mind to understand. I pray, God, it may touch each and every one of us. Help us not to leave the same way we came, but to leave transparent, to be encouraged and edified by the power of your word. And we give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Lift up your hands. Lift up your voices one more time. Give him a shout of praise. God, you're so great. God, you're wonderful. We exalt you, Jesus. We adore you, Jesus. There is none like you, Lord. Be thou glorified in this place, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name. You may be seated. Praise God. If you're a visitor here today, I would like to say welcome. <clears throat> Please come back. You know, we're going we're gonna to kill you with love in this place. You know, we're going to love you to death. If you're a visitor, we're asking you to come back. We love visitors here. You know, we're so thankful. We appreciate your presence in this place. We don't take it lightly. You know, visitors are normally the most important people in the building. You know, and just feel welcome. And now we ask you to come back. Uh, next week and the other week and the other week. May this be your home. I would like to talk to you in this wise. Let's, let's run the race. Let's run the race. And uh, the writer of Hebrews was intentional declaring the lordship of the Messiah. He did it on purpose. You know, he got something in mind. He blew the trumpet and he sounded the alarm. He didn't hold uh, back any punches. He tell it as it is that Jesus Christ is Lord. That Jesus Christ is above the laws. Jesus is the fulfillment of the laws and the prophets. The writer of Hebrews wasn't writing to only a Christian Jewish audience. However, scattered throughout his audience were Judaizers, those whose intentions were to subvert those who placed their faith in Jesus Christ and turn them back to the laws and, and back to their vain practices and, and back to their traditions and back to the doctrines of Moses. But I believe the Apostle Paul I believe you wrote this epistle and that's my opinion. There are many opinions out there, but I believe that it was spanned by the, the Apostle Paul. And he wrote this epistle, number one, to rebuke and to educate the gainsayers. And number two, to encourage and to edify the saints. And as you walk through the book of Hebrews, you, you cannot ignore the, the vivid contrast that is presented to the audience. And that is Jesus and. Jesus, Jesus and. And he, he gave us Jesus and the angels. And he is educating them that look, those who put angels on a high pedals to those who revere angels and talk highly about angels more than Jesus. 
Let me tell you this, Hebrews chapter number 1, verse 5. For unto which of the angels said he, at any time, thou art my son. This day I have begotten thee. There's none. He's above the angels. If you back up in chapter 1, verse 4. Being made, Jesus being made so much better than the angels. As he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent Inheritance then day. All throughout chapter 1 and 2, he addressed the issue that Jesus Christ is, is greater than the angels. Also, he dealt with Moses, those who revered Moses, those who would, would praise Moses over Jesus Christ. He said, look, Jesus Christ is he's higher than Moses. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 3, you can see this. For this man, Jesus was counted worthy of more glory than of Moses. Moses talked about him in Deuteronomy chapter number 18 and 15. That God is going to raise up a prophet among you. You better hear him. You better hear and listen to his words. He was talking about Jesus. And the writer of Hebrews, he, he went through this detailly. He also addressed the issue of the Levitical priesthood. Jesus, chapter 4 and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us all fast our profession. And he also dealt with the tabernacle in Jesus. And the laws in Jesus, the blood sacrifices in Jesus. Melchizedek in Jesus, he makes his, his comparison. And you see, Pastor Paulson, the conclusion and the summary of the, the contrast is Jesus is better. Can I tell you this morning that Jesus Christ is, is better than Moses. And Jesus Christ is better than the Levitical priesthood. That Jesus Christ is better than the blood sacrifices. That Jesus Christ is better than Abraham. Jesus Christ is better than them all. He's better than the laws and the prophets. Can I remind somebody this morning that Jesus Christ is better he is better. Whatever you're going through, can I remind you that Jesus Christ is better than our traditions. Jesus Christ is better than our ideologies. Jesus Christ is better than our conception. Jesus Christ is better than the money in your bank account. Jesus Christ is better than your position. Jesus Christ is better than the promotion on your job. Can I get a amen? Jesus Christ is better. He's better, he's better, he's better. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He's better than the, the high from the drugs and the alcohol. Jesus Christ is better than what you get from marijuana. Jesus Christ is better than what you can shoot up in your veins. We serve a God who sits on the throne. And from everlasting to everlasting, he's better, he's better. So let's run the race because Jesus Christ, oh, hallelujah, praise God. He's better. So thankful. There's none to compare to our God. The Christian, the Christian's life can be portrayed or, or described from many different angles. 
It's much like a octagon box which can be set down on any of its multiple sides. That's what the Christian life is like. And there are several metaphors and allegory that are used throughout the Bible to illustrate the Christian's life. For example, we are called sheep. And we have a shepherd leading and, and guiding us. Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd. Writers speaking from the, the sheep's perspective. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still water. He's the one who is in control. Psalm 103. Psalm 100 verse 3. We are his people and the sheep of his pastor. John 10 and verse 11, Jesus declared, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. The sheep and the shepherd relationship is imperative. So we need, as the sheep need the shepherd, we need our shepherd, Jesus Christ. A sheep cannot protect itself. The Christian, we need Jesus to provide for us. We need Jesus to protect us. We need Jesus to save us. We need Jesus to heal our broken body. We need Jesus to carry us from point A to point B. We can't do without Jesus. We need him. We are shepherd. Another metaphor is used to depict the Christian's life. Is that of a soldier. We are enlist in the army of the Lord. We are marching into spiritual battle. The songwriter said, Onward Christian soldiers, marching on toward with the cross of Jesus going on before. And that's why Ephesians 6 urged us to, to take the whole armor of God. Oh, you got to have your loins girt with truth. Why? Because you are the soldier of the Lord. You got to have your breastplate of righteousness. You got to have your shoes, the gospel shoes of peace. Because you are a soldier of the Lord. You got to take the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit which is the word of God because we are soldiers of the Lord we are fighting a good fight of faith and if you are not a soldier as yet you can be a soldier the Lord is still recruiting soldiers in his army if you have not experienced your sins being washed away in the name of Jesus Christ, you can have your sins being washed away today. If you have never yet received the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues with Jesus living on the inside, you can experience that today. He is still recruiting people into the army. Let's run the race. Let's run the race. Hallelujah. The Christians are also called sons and daughters. And God is our father, meaning we are in the family, the family of God. We are in a relationship with God, family relationship. John 1 verse 11, he came unto his own and his own received him not, but to them that received him. He gave the power to become sons and daughters. You heard that? 
2 Corinthians 6 and 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I will receive you, and I will be a father unto you. And listen this, and he shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Hallelujah. We are in the family of the Lord. John 3 and verse verse 2, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 2. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Now are we the sons and the daughters of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know when he shall appear, we shall be like him. Can I tell you? Doesn't matter where you're from. But this statement goes to every tongue. Every kindred. Every nationality. Every ethnicity. Every race. Beloved. If you have been washed in his blood. If you have his spirit. If you have been born again. Beloved. Now. Now are we the sons of God. Now are we the daughters of God. Hallelujah. Praise him. Glory be to God. And there, there are several sir, others metaphor use. Light of the world. And salt of the earth. And lively stones and so on. But, but today, today our focus is on a different representation of the Christian's life. And that of a runner. That of a runner. One who is in the race. One who is in the race. In the passage we read at the closing of verse 1, chapter 12. Let us run with patience or with endurance. The race that is set before us. And I, and I look at the verb, us, that has been mentioned. Stand out. Let us run the race that is set before us. I went through the book of Hebrews and I count these, these, these pronouns, sorry. And I count them and I get, use the word hus some 30 times. And our 13 times and we 43 times. You know, and that tells me something. You see, this race is not just uh, for, for them and they or he and she, but this race, this gospel race, uh, this race of living for God is for every people and every tongue and every nation. It doesn't matter where you're from. This race is for the white and it's for the black. It's for the brown and it's for the in between. It's the race that is set before us. It's an all-inclusive kind of race. It's universal. Jesus said, come unto me all, he that labored and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All. Let's run this race. No, the race is not in a distant future somewhere. Uh, it's not in a foreign uh, land across the ocean the race is not behind us no but his race is setting right before right before us second timothy 4 and 7 paul told timothy i fought i have fought a good fight i have finished my race and i've kept the fate we got to finish the race we got to finish the race we got to run the race. 
If you, are, if you are going to run this race that is laid before you, if you're going to run for truth, and if you're going to run for holiness, and if you're going to run for righteousness, the writer gave us three vital components to run or to continue in running this race. Number one, he gave us, the, he shows us the cloud of witnesses. Number two, he put in a way the weight and the sin that is set before us or that will stop us. And number three, he told us that we must look to Jesus. There's got to be a look into Jesus. The cloud of witness, those who have been, been there, done that, endured to the end, they finished their race well. The great cloud, it's a great cloud of witness. It's not just a few that have walked this path. It's not just a few that have lived for God. It's not just a few that embrace holiness and embrace Christ. But it's a great cloud. Many have walked this path. Many have gone down this trajectory. And God is calling for all of us to run. To run for God and run for righteousness and run for truth and for holiness. Let's run the race, somebody. Let's run the race. The imagery is a stadium, an arena. Hosting the Olympic Games. Uh, the stadium is jam-packed with, with fans and spectators and supporters. It's loud and booming. With cheering voices. Applauses. Standing ovation. Shouts of encouragement or floating across the hair. And you see. The athletes. Some athletes will finish their race others are in the middle of their race and and some are getting ready to start their race but those who are spectators which filled the stands they provide enormous encouragement and, and stimulation and reassurance to the athletes the athletes in in such electrified charge environment they are stronger they are they can run faster their confidence level is out of this world. It's like a turbocharge of invincibility. And you see, this is why it's being said that at least they set and break records that they never thought they could because of the atmosphere and the encouragement from those who sit in the stadium. We need that. We need the encouragement from, from those who have ran the race and those who have finished well. You know, it's a big help to those who are in the race, who are about to start the race. This is the imagery in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. of The cloud of witnesses and the runner. The runner. So thankful to be a runner today. Thankful for those who are running today. And if you're not running, do you want to be a runner? Do you want to run for Jesus Christ? Do you want to be involved in this race? If you have been born again by water and spirit, baptized in Jesus' name. If you have Jesus living on the inside, hear me out. You are in the race. We must be encouraged by those clouds of witness. We must. They, you see, those who, who never give in to the pressure of the society. They never give up. They never surrender. They ran all the way to the end by their faith in God. 
and they're not watching us from heaven. You know, that's, that's not the idea. They're not looking down on us from heaven. They're not standing down and cheering us on. Th that's not how it goes because uh, where are they? Wherever the dead in Christ are, that's where they are. But guess what? We see them. We witness them. We witness their testimony and how they ran and how they live and how they fight for Christ. So we get to see them and what they did. And he said, you, you know why? Let me back. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Wherefore, which is pointing back to the previous chapter. Chapter 11. God's all of faith. Those are we who we are encouraged by. In Hebrews 11 and verse 4, it said, By faith, Abel. Verse 5, by faith, Enoch. Verse number 7, by faith, Noah. Consider Noah. Noah who lived for God, who pleased God. And you might be here today and you might be saying that you don't know the environment I'm in. It's hard for me to live for God. None of my family are living for God. At my job, nobody's living for God and it's hard. And you feel discouraged and you want to give up. I want you to be encouraged by Noah. It was speculated, it speculated that 280,000 people in his population in Noah's day. And he was the only one that found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And he lived for God amongst the pressure. You can be encouraged that you can live for God. Whatever situation you are cast into, whatever environment you're in, you can shine as light of the world. And live for Christ. He did it by faith. By faith, verse number 8, Abraham, when he was called out of the land of Ur and the Chaldeans, he didn't say no. He didn't reject the call. But I'll go. He forsake his, his family. He forsake what he was familiar with. He forsake his possession. He had it made for him there. And Abraham walked away from all of that for God. What are you willing to walk to wave to live for Christ today? What, what would you give up for Jesus Christ? Can you let go of some things to serve Christ? And to please God. Be encouraged by Abraham. Abraham did it. How did he did it? By faith. Verse number 20. By faith, Isaac. By faith, verse 22. Joseph, I want you to consider Joseph. Joseph, who his brothers sold into Egypt. They ostracized him, they beat him, they take advantage of him. And Joseph, when God promoted him into a position in Egypt, second in command, and now they're here to seek sustenance. And Joseph forgave them. We we're talking about that this morning. Forgiveness. How could Joseph forgive them after all they did to him? They destroy his life, his teenage years. They stripped him away from his dad. And here Joseph was on the other hand, 
he could come down hard on them. It could, he could repay them for what they have done for him. But no, Joseph said, come on in. I'll feed you. I'll feed your cattle. I'll feed your family. Come on, move into Egypt. And how, did, how, how could Joseph do something like that? Because of his faith. He was a man of faith. And faith will help us to forgive. Faith will help us to forgive. When you got a hard time forgiving. Thank you, Brother Paulson, for that message this morning. So encouraging. But they did it by faith. You know why many people struggle with repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and receiving the Holy Ghost? Because they refuse to exercise their faith in Christ. It's a faith issue. It's a faith issue. Whatever step you take in this race got to be steps of faith. Every breath you breathe in this Christian race got to be breath of faith. Every distance you, you undertake got to be undertaken by faith. It got to be done by faith. I'm so thankful there are faithful witnesses, not only in the book of Hebrews, but right here sitting in this church. So much witnesses who are being a witness to me. Thankful for the faithful witness sitting in this congregation. You can look around and you can find an example of people who have been running for God and have been holding on. And be faithful to God. You can model their life. Be encouraged to run this race for Christ. Number two, we told them that they should lay aside every weight and the sin. If a runner walk out on the field with under armors on and two pair of pants or two pants on, and if that runner put on a hoodie or two and, and on top of all of that, a coverall, big boots, then he put on a mask and he walk out to the tracks saying that he is ready to run the race. What do you think? You think he's going to win? No. He's not going to win. You think he's serious? No. He's not serious. You get it right. He might be serious, but he's serious about the North Dakota winners. He's ready, but he's not ready for the race. He got to run as light as possible. He must need stripping off every weight. He got to get rid of the excess baggage and run. If he's going to represent his country, he got to be serious about shedding the excess weight. Get rid of it. So must the Christian runners put away every weight, every encumbrances, endurances, distraction, obstacles. We must lay them aside, put them away, cast them off because we will, they will easily entangle, entangle us. What are those weights? Could it be fishing? Oh, those who love to fish said, no, don't mention that one. Could it be golfing? The golfer said, you just skip that over. 
your job, friends, the grandkids, gadgets. Those are not sin, you know, but they can become weights. Could it be envy, bitterness, malice? These are sins. Unforgiveness. And they also can slow us down and trip us up. The writer of Hebrews, he told, he told his audience, you need to get rid of it. You need to shed it. Mark 9, Jesus said, and if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. You, you heard we talk about a right-hand man, and it represents somebody who's close to you, the hand. Somebody who is, is close to you, and if they cause you to walk away from the faith, if they cause you to not be faithful to God, if they distract you in the race, Jesus stole us, we need to get rid of them. It's better for you to go to heaven without them than to go to hell with them. Cut it off, he said. Because you got to run with, with no distractions, unhindered to run this race. Romans 12 and verse 1. I beseech ye therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that he present your bodies holy and acceptable. Your reason of a service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that he may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There got to be a, a, a confirmation, a transformation rather. There must be a transformation in this race. I'm not satisfied being the same every day. I'm not satisfied not progressing. I'm not satisfied not, not experiencing victory in my life. I'm not satisfied not going into the holy of holies, not reaching out into the presence of the Lord. There must be a transformation every time I enter through the doors, every time I step into worship, every time I take up the word, I want to be transformed. I'm not okay. I'm not satisfied being the same man. I want to be like Christ. And there must be a transformation. I got to be renewed in my walk with God. I got to be renewed in this race. There must be a transformation. Cannot remain stagnant. I got to be transformed. I got to be transformed. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like him. And then he said in, in Mark 9, the same chapter, if you look at verse 45. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. The foot represents places, environment, or location. Places I used to go. You know, if, they, if they're going to prevent me from living for God, from being dedicated to Christ. Jesus said, cut it off. Get rid of it. I'm not going there anymore. Oh, I don't hang out in these places anymore. I'm living for God. I'm going to church now. Every time the doors are open, I got to be there. Every time they're having something at the church, I got to be there. 
because I've been transformed. I'm running in a race. I'm running for Jesus. I'm running for truth. Hallelujah to Jesus. And if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away and all things are become new. I'm not the same man who I was, but I'm a transformed. I'm a child of the king. I'm in the race for righteousness. I'm running for holiness. I'm running for purity. I'm running for truth. I got the gospel in my hands and I'm taking it to the world. Don't hinder me. Don't try to stop me. I'm running, I'm running, I'm running. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Glory to God. Cut it off. He said in 1 Corinthians 9, and you know the issue they have with a Corinthian church. And Paul said, I therefore run, not without aim, not without an objective. I've got an objective. I know why I'm running. I know why I'm living for God. I know why I came to church this morning. I know why I'm separating myself from the world. I know why I've got a aim. My mind is fixed on Jesus. I want to make it. I want to make it to heaven. I don't want to lose. I want to hear well done. Thou good and faithful servant. I know why I'm here today. Because I'm a child of the king. I'm running. I'm running for Jesus. Hallelujah. Not without aim. So I fight not as one that beat it against the air. Or against nothing. I've got a purpose. I've got my mind made up. I'm committed. I've surrendered it all. I'm going for God. Go for God. I'm going to encourage somebody. Go for God. Go for this apostolic message. Go for separation and purity. Hallelujah. Let nothing distract you. Let me hurry on. We're talking about weights and distractions. It's first century church. In Hebrews, they encounter and the temptation of picking up unnecessary weights. This church was faced with great persecution against Nero and the Romans and also against their own brethren, those who were still under the laws, try to pull them back. Huh. I've got Jesus. I'm living for Jesus now, but no, you need, still need to be circumcised. You still need to go back to the traditions and go back to those old practices. Weights. It's going to drag them down. We got to let go of those weights. Got to get rid of them. There are Christians who are serious about their jobs, but not so much about the, the Christian job, the kingdom job. It's devastating when Christians get caught up and consumed by video games, but care little about the kingdom gain. We ought to be careful not to get so excited about reading novels, storybooks, social media. Instagram, TikTok, posts and reels. But we are not delighted about the word of God. 
The psalmist said in Psalm 119 and verse uh, 16, I will delight myself in thy law. I will not forget thy word. Job, while he sat down in the ash, he made this declaration in Job 23 and, and verse 12. I appreciate thy word more than my necessary food. I love thy word more than my necessary food. So please understand me. Playing video games are not sin. Fishing and golfing. Friends, the grandkids. Those precious grandkids. It's not a sin. Hanging out with them. <clears throat> Gadgets. We, we need that. Relaxation. Recuperation. We need to re recuperate. We need a time of playing. But, but when our playing, P-L-A-Y, outweighs our praying, P-R-E-Y, becomes a stumbling block, becomes an issue, how much are we seeking the face of God? How much are we trying to get into his presence? And you see, not only does weights, distraction, endurances, affect the Christian in their race. But they have a huge impact on unbelievers and backsliders. They will prevent them from entering or being a part of the Christian race. Have you ever known someone who have 101 excuses? Have you run into somebody like that? I would. I would come to church. I would be baptized. Man, I would live for God. I would read my Bible, but endurances preventing them from giving it to Christ. What is that endurance? I would accept a Bible study. I would baptize in Jesus' name, but, but. Acts 26, 28. There's a man just like that here. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. I see it. I got it. I understand it. Everything that you said, Paul, is explained down to the T. You almost persuade me, but I'm the king. Don't you know that? Can I give up that for Christ? Almost persuade me. Not only Agrippa, but chapter 24 of Acts, also 25. Felix trembled after Paul explained to him about the resurrection in Christ. And he answered, go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Is there somebody here today? You have not yet been baptized. You have not yet surrendered to Christ. You have been putting him off for a long time. You want the Holy Ghost today? Is there anybody who wants to be baptized in Jesus' name today? To have your sins washed away? Is there anyone who want to make a commitment today? Are you going to walk in the footstep of Agrippa? Not today. Not right now. Not this moment. Don't let excuses prevent you. Waits. 
endurances, encumbrances. Galatians 5, he told the Galatians, he did run well. Who did hinder you that he should not obey the truth? What is hindering you right now from saying yes to Christ? What is it that is hindering you from saying yes? I'm going to run this race. I'm going to live holy. And I'm going to be separated unto God. I'm going to give it my all. There's a book called The, the Pilgrim Progress. The main character written by John Bunyan. The main character of the book is Christian. And Christian was born and raised in a city of destruction. Until evangelists came and, and witnessed to him and told him about Jesus Christ and the cross and, 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 and the, the city, uh, the pearly gate, the celestial city. He told him about the celestial city and how he need to flee from the city of destruction. He accepted Christ. He said, okay, I'm going to flee. He went home and he told his wife, Christiana, that look, I'm going to flee from the city of destruction. They mocked and ridiculed him. Are you crazy? What are you doing? But he didn't listen to them. He went out through the door and he plugged his ears and he ran away. And he screamed while he ran away. Life, life, I chose eternal life. Life, life, I, I chose eternal life. I'm going to run to Jesus. I'm running from the city of destruction. I'm running from my pain. I'm running from all the things that have been held in me captive. Is there somebody here today like that, that Christian in the book of the Pilgrim Progress? You're tired of that situation you've been dreading. You're tired of being intoxicated. You're tired of the earth. You're tired of the pain. You're tired of the devil on your case I will tell you today run run unto Jesus run for life run for peace run for hope run for salvation run to him he's waiting for you his arms are wide open run the race will you run for Jesus will you run to Jesus hallelujah hallelujah I will run this race. Let me hurry on real quick. You notice he said, lay aside the weights and the sin. That's so easily beset us. This sin, the sin that Abraham did not entertain, the sin that, that Noah did not welcome, the sin that David did not allow. And every Christian in God's hall of faith uh, throughout the ages of time. Uh, the sin of unbelief. The failure to trust God. Watch this. It was in chapter 11. It was by faith Enoch and by faith Noah and by faith Abraham and by faith Rahab. You see the common denominator that is weaved throughout the narrative. It's their faith in their God. Hebrews 11 and 6 said, Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Proverbs chapter 3 and 5. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart. Right? No, with all of your heart. 
and lean not to your own understanding. But in some of your ways, know in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will, he shall direct your path. We cannot entertain the sin of unbelief. That's the sin that he's talking about. The sin of unbelief. Unbelief is the horrible sin that will immediately eliminate you from the Christian race. You can't run this race and not believe in, in God. Not believing that he will wash your sins away. Not believing that he will give you the gift of the Holy Ghost. And if you want the spirit, if you want the gift of the Holy Ghost, you don't have to leave this place today without it. You can leave full of the Holy Ghost. You can leave full of Jesus living on the inside. Do you get faith to believe for it? That if you repent of your sins, that God will pour it out upon you. It's for you and your children. As many far off, as many, every people, Every tongue, every nation, every ethnicity, every nationality. And that's why we celebrate All Nations Sunday. We strongly believe that this gospel and this Jesus is for the whole world. It's for you and it's for you and it's for your family. It's for your friend. It's for your neighbor. This gospel. Hallelujah. I wonder where we need to trust God today. Can you trust God with your life? You walk through this door this morning. Can you trust God with your life to give it all to him? Can you trust God and walk away from your past? And walk away from the things that held you back? And walk away from the hang-ups you have? Said God, I'm going to put my life in your hands. Can you trust the eternal God this morning? Can you trust God with your family, with your possessions? Can you trust God to share the gospel with somebody, to tell them how, how good it is to receive the Holy Ghost? There's nothing like it. There's nothing like living for God. I love to tell you that the, this Christian race is, is going to be easy. I would love to tell you that there's, there's going to be a smooth sailing. I would love to announce that everything is going to fall in place. But no, this is not a hundred meter dash. It's, it's a marathon. This race is, is not for the faint in heart. It's not for the weak in mind. No, it's not for those who were easily offended. It's not for those who hard time to forgive this race it's not for the weak Acts 14 and 22 through much tribulation we will enter into the kingdom of God it's going to be a hard race it's going to be a narrow path a kind of race a rocky road a kind of race uphill climb it's going to be a carrying your cross and denying yourselves kind of race that's what it's going to be it's, it's going to be a race where 
you love your neighbors pray for your enemies kind of race do good to those who persecute you and abuse you that's the race that he called us to run blood sweat and tears Winston Churchill we know him for his famous quote never never give up but he also made a statement in 1940 when he sworn in as prime minister and he said I have nothing to give this country nothing nothing but blood, sweat, and tears. And if he can say that over his nation, over that country, how much more should be, we be sold out for the kingdom? How much more should we be sold out for Jesus Christ? I ain't going to let that relationship keep me back from living for God. I ain't going to let that drugs keep me back from saying yes to Jesus Christ. I ain't going to let that negative environment keep me back. That job, whatever it is, I'm saying yes to him. I'm going to give my all for Jesus Christ. I'm going to walk away from everything to please him. Romans 18 and verse, Romans 8 and verse 18. He said, the sufferings of this present time. The trials of this, this present time. It's not worthy to be compared to the joy that shall be revealed in us. There's nothing to be compared when you say, I'm going to pray more. I'm going to buffet my body and make it my slave. I'm going to deny myself. I'm going to say yes to baptism in Jesus' name. I'm going to say yes to repentance. Yes, Jesus, I want the Holy Ghost. For the glory that's going to be revealed in us is greater than the suffering that we are experiencing in this world. Would you stand with me all over this place? That probably have been going too long. But the last point that he gave them he told them that there got to be a looking unto Jesus. There got to be a looking unto Jesus in this race. It's very important where your eyes are placed. Where is your focus? Where is your attention? Where is your gaze? He said, we got to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. If you don't have enough faith to said, God, I want to live for you. He is the initiator of your faith. He can give you that faith. You cannot endure to the end without your eyes are fixed upon Jesus. He's the one that we're looking to today. Got to take our eyes off, our, off ourselves. Take our eyes off our, our situation, our problem, our dilemmas. And put them upon Jesus. Both eyes got to be locked in on him. Both feet got to be placed in the race. Both hands got to hold on to the plow. Said I'm not looking back. I've got a made up mind. And I'm looking on to Jesus. The psalmist said in Psalm 121. I'm going to look to the hills. From whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord. Who made heaven on earth. I want to encourage somebody. Every day you wake up. You need to look to Jesus. The author. 
the perfecter of our faith. Don't put your eyes upon your situation. Don't put your eyes upon your sickness. Don't put your eyes upon the doctor. But you need to place your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. These altars are open this morning. I'm thankful for the clouds of witness. The encouragement that we receive from the cloud of witness. I'm thankful for all of that. Abraham and Moses and Isaac and David and Jephthah. I'm thankful for, for their encouragement. But you see, if my eyes is not on the price of the upward calling of Christ Jesus, we're never going to make it. In days when you feel like you can't go any further. When days you feel like you're hopeless. In times you feel like you've gave your all. I just can't keep on going. I just want to encourage you. Look to Jesus today. Oh, where do we need to look to him? We need to continue to put our trust in Jesus. Because our answers, our answers for everything that we need is found in King Jesus. He got the answers to every addiction. He got the answers to every weakness. You want a miracle today. You want the Holy Ghost today. The only way you can get it. It's by your focus, your gaze, your undivided attention. Be placed upon Jesus. Oh, you want to touch today. You got to look to Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I wish somebody would lift their hands all over this sanctuary right now. Oh, we need to look to him. Can you look to him for a revival? Can you look to him for change? Can you look to him for encouragement? Oh, hallelujah, Jesus. We put our trust in you, Lord. We call upon you, King Jesus. We call upon you for healing, Lord. We call upon you for deliverance. We call upon you for peace. We call upon you for joy. We call upon you for strength. There's somebody that needs you today. There's somebody that needs the Holy Ghost. There's somebody that needs a touch in your life. There's somebody that needs revival. Oh, let's call upon him right now. Oh, there is none like Jesus. Oh, there is revival when you call upon the name of Jesus. There is victory in the name of Jesus. There is transformation in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is deliverance in the name of Jesus. There is salvation in the name of Jesus. Oh, there is power in Jesus' name. We call upon you, Lord. He's in this place right now. The power of the Holy Ghost is in this place right now. Deliverance is in this place right now. Breakthrough is in this place right now. Whatever you want from the Lord, you can receive it here right now. Oh, we call upon you, Jesus. We look to you, Jesus. We refuse to look to self. We refuse to look to human ingenuity. We refuse to look to our spouses. We refuse to look to our neighbors. But God, we look to you and you alone.